Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Episode 182 of Locked On Browns. I am your host, Jeff Lloyd. Uh, guys, it's kind of fun when you do an episode and you kind of had it planned and your guest the night before actually brings up the guy that you're going to have on the next night. He didn't know it. So thanks, Evan Silva, for you know giving the hat tip here for tonight's guest. Uh, one of my favorite guys. Does a lot of work with the defensive line, obviously pass rushers. Uh, younger guy who brings a unique perspective, different ways of looking at the game. So, you know, I always appreciate these young guys and the amount they put, they, uh, the work they put in. Uh, so joining us tonight from Bleacher Report, from Football Guys, uh, basically, you know, uh, you know, half of that upper echelon over there at Setting the Edge. Writer does the podcast, a bunch of young guys over there also work along with him. And Chuck McDonald, Mr. Justice Makeda. Justice, buddy, how's it going, man? I'm good. I'm not getting snowed on on the East Coast. It's very warm. It seems very springy out here in Portland, Oregon, so... I've been. I'm doing better than you know a lot of people out east. Uh, yeah, it's 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 not pretty here right now. As you, you know, we were talking about earlier. You know, you know a lot of the communities on the east coast. The guys down in Maryland, Baltimore guys. I'm sorry. Hang in there. I hope you bought enough alcohol. I uh, hope you can at least keep your power so you can at least drink in the light and the warmth. You know, you ain't got to hunter hunter down in the dark. You know, just you know, it's just cruel. Uh, yeah, we'll get our day of reckoning tomorrow. Probably six to ten coming for us. Kids are off of school already. They're all excited. But look, I got a podcast to do. Uh, Justice, now what? Yeah, I mean, look, we got to work. We still got work. This got to be done. You know, it's great that you all ain't got school tomorrow, but it ain't gonna change nothing around these parts. Uh, Justice, we tried to get to this earlier, and uh, I, I, I'm excited of the, of the Deshaun Kaiser, Demarius Randall trade from both sides of it. Uh, I'm excited of it. You know, you know, I, you look. We still admit it. The Deshaun Kaiser fans, we stand up. We still admit it. We were fans. Uh, it, it was a terrible, terrible situation in Cleveland. And now it gets even worse when you had David Lee get fired right after the season, and David Lee sat right there telling Hugh Jackson, don't do this, don't do it, don't get excited over a couple of good throws that you saw in a preseason game, just don't do it, it's not going to work out, it's not ready, and other guys, and Hugh Jackson listened to nobody and trotted out a 21-year-old kid that they drafted in the 50s in the second round, and it didn't go well. There were times it looked good, uh, it was a poorly coached team. Uh, he ended up being the brunt of the punishment a lot. Uh, you know, was he over his head? Absolutely, he was overhead. Most twenty-one-year-old quarterbacks are going to be. But now shipped off to—I uh, mean, I don't think he could ask for a better spot. So, uh, Justice, some thoughts here on Deshaun Kaiser, and uh, you know, obviously he's not going to be in line for a start anytime soon. Hopefully for Green Bay fans. But uh, you know, I know you were a fan of him, and you know, what do you think needs to be done, or at least in the best way to hopefully rectify and hope you still have a quarterback there. Yeah, um, like you said, I was a pretty big fan of him coming out. I don't really know what needs to be done because, I mean, ideally he shouldn't be in a situation where he can start. What I think is more interesting is that the Packers have actively looked for a backup, like a premier backup. You know what I mean? Like, Brett Hundley was not enough for them this year. And obviously, you know, Kaiser wasn't that great, but they have Hundley on one more year. How much does help and are you really going to get out of him? Um, so they're looking at at Kaiser, a guy who they were rumored on draft day when they were holding the first pick of the second day, um, that they were, you know, rumored to take 33rd overall. That was kind of surprising to me at the time. I think it was for a lot of people to see them make a move, um, you know, the very next year to grab the guy. is kind of interesting. I mean, people always compare the parallels to, like, you know, uh, Ron Wolf and Brett Favre. I know it's a stretch to call a guy after one year failing out and just comparing him <laughs> to Brett Favre. But that's basically the situation that happened with Ron Wolf when he was just trying to get far. If he ends up with the Falcons, then he goes to the Packers. 
and chased for Brett Favre almost immediately. Um, it's just kind of interesting because when you look at so the Kyle, so the Kyle, uh, his name is Kyle Fuller, right? I feel like I would yes. get the Fuller brothers mixed up. The Chicago Bears. <laughs> just say something with a K, and you, you know at least you'd be you know twenty five percent close. So uh, one of the things that's really unique with the Green Bay Packers is basically they give you no promised money and salary. Everything that they work in is with uh, signing bonuses or nothing else guaranteed. So when you look at like the the construction of like that contract, the Fuller contract, and uh, what Green Bay gave him on the transition tag, and you see that you know his signing bonus is insane, and they basically locked um, the Bears up to a three-year, forty million contract for him. I, I think it's kind of interesting when you juxtapose that to like Aaron Rodgers, where Aaron Rodgers at his age is saying, you know, in ESPN magazine talking to Mina Kimes, talking about how he wants to be the highest paid quarterback in football. And what do the Packers do and do they tiptoe that line? Because that's a line that they've never really crossed, like promising salary, right? They've always promised signing bonuses, which you have to, um, but they've never really promised any guaranteed salary. Um, and w- one would assume that after Kirk Cousins got all that money guaranteed, Aaron Rodgers would want something, you know, guaranteed like that. And it's also worth noting that uh, when they were going through, uh, I don't know if you, how familiar your fans are with Packers football, but at the end of the regular season, they basically reworked the Devontae Adams extension to in a way where it would basically the cap hit would spread over the end of that season since they had cap space left over. Um, and Ian Rappaport, after a couple moves that the Packers made at the end of the year, because they were kind of fast and furious with that thing, uh, was basically like, Ted Thompson is now, you know, now has his eyes set on the Aaron Rodgers contract. The very next day, Ted Thompson was fired. So, <laughs> I, I, wonder if, I wonder if Aaron Rodgers and, and basically the idea that has built Packers football since Ron Wolf um, are not really seeing eye to eye, and that's what started this move for Kaiser, which is kind of scary, right? Because, like, like I said, we're big fans of him. But at the same time, he's a 21-year-old who didn't have a very good season last year. And by very, not very good, I mean, like, the worst red zone quarterback in the history of forever. He was, I mean, there were some, there were some bad times. Uh, you know, at the, the Jet game, they ended up pulling him. Uh, there was an option play, and everybody said, well, you know, guys are read it wrong. And, well, what the hell are you doing? It's the NFL. What are you running a, a 21-year-old quarterback? Well, he audible to it. Well, that shouldn't be an audible he has to go option, you know, run an option play from the five. If anything, you know, I mean, audible to QB draw if you don't like anything you see. It was just so much of it was done piss poorly. Look, I understand he's a slow processor, and that may never change. And you, you can't change that. But, you know, some of the flaws that they were putting on him, these were the flaws he had coming in. So, if, like, for them to use it as excuses, it was like, well, no, this is, this is who he was. Don't, you know, don't go backwards now and say, oh, well, you know, this is the problem. That's, that, that was the aggravating part for me is because what he was advertised as weakness-wise is what showed. And, you know, if he had maybe read the goddamn scouting report that you were handed, you would have known better. Right. I totally agree with that. I think the one, the one thing that did surprise me, though, um, that I'll say about my Kaiser evaluations, I actually thought he was, like, really good in the zone. Like, if you watched him in, like, the text game and stuff like that, yep. where he's, he's moving around, like, pocket condensed space and just putting the ball in the one spot where it can be, where he's using his legs to extend plays, where he's using his legs to, you know, uh, convert first downs. I, I thought he was really good at that. And then you see him in Cleveland and, like, Rel- relative to what quarterbacks are doing in the red zone right now, I think Aaron Rodgers has like 43 passing touchdowns and no interceptions in the red zone the last two years. Uh, Kaiser's 2017 season was the worst like ever. 
I think part of that also, though, was is it was you know tight ends who were kids. It was, and the other part was is look, there were a lot of weeks where he broke the huddle. He came out and he looked to the left or the right, and he had to once again say, "Wait, all right, who is that now? Okay, who is that now?" I mean, it was just so many variables that was not set up, and it was bad. I mean, Bryce Treggs. Bryce Treggs was there because Hugh knew his dad. I mean, and you know, once Gordon came back and Coleman got healthy, he wasn't demoted. All right, you can go now. So he went from a featured receiver one week to just all right. All of a sudden, you're cuttable now. It was the fact that he's still here just kills me. Uh, guys, you listen to Lockdown Brown, episode 182. Guys, we're single digits away from Major League Baseball uh, on the East Coast. I pray that they're going to maybe get some of these games in. But anyway, uh, Locked On MLB, guys, check it out. Find your favorite team. Everybody's up and running, so go ahead. Find your favorite team. Follow the shows along. Now, Justice, uh, obviously the uh, B to the A with this deal here. Uh, Demarius Randall comes on over. Uh, it does seem kind of weird because, you know, I, maybe Green Bay thought they had a shot at maybe, you know, other cornerbacks here. You know, obviously they, they went after Fuller. Uh, need some more insurance. Uh, my dude, Kenny King, out of East Leo, ended up with a shoulder surgery. His rookie year ended up early. Uh, Browns are ha- happy to have him, and they're very happy the fact that maybe the angel position will no longer exist here because when you're watching <laughs> all 22 and you can't you can only see 21 guys, you know you got yourself a problem. Yeah, it was. What was it? It was probably like around week two when people who like have to watch film for a living uh, really started picking up on like, hey man, like Greg Williams is really going to do this like every single play and every single game. Um, yeah, they, you guys got guys backed up all the way to the back of the end zone. I don't. Is Demarius Randall for sure going to play that free safety role? It's pretty much. I know been. people speculated that. It, it seems pretty much announced. I mean, I'm sure you know anything could change it, but uh, you know, and look, they've already moved on from McCordy. Jamar Taylor is on borrow time. They signed two corners. I mean, I, I wouldn't be stunned if they went back, but maybe it tells me that they they don't see a way that a free safety is going to fit here. Uh, you know, draft-wise, at least. Right. But, yeah, it seems like it's been mentioned, and it's been mentioned pretty highly, yes. That's interesting. Uh, Pro Football Focus had Marius Randall as, like, the second-graded run defender among uh, cornerbacks in the sport. And he was, you know, easily the best coverage defender in uh, Green Bay last year. Green Bay just let Morgan Burnett and Demarius Randall walk. Um, I think Pro Football Focus had Kevin King and Josh Jones, like, graded in the 40s, and I don't think that they go any lower than the 40s. No, right no I think it's like, like 39.9 is like, look, guys, we just stopped after that. We didn't want to hurt you anymore, dude. Yeah, uh, so it's like like rookies who were like very bad last year, and then ha-ha, Clinton Dix is coming off of his worst season, which I guess guys can bounce back because Demarius Randall was battling an injury in 2016, and that's when everyone wanted to bury him, even though he had a good uh, a good 2015 you know, rookie season. He had an off-2016 year because he was injured. Um, you, you might remember him from like basically the entire second half of the season when guys like Julio Jones, like in that NFC NFC uh, Championship game, were just dunking on every single Packers cornerback because like not only were the cornerbacks that they had behind Randall not were like they weren't good, they were also hurt. So like guys like Quentin Rollins, guys like Ladarius Gunter. Ladarius Gunter was covering Julio Jones, and he ran he ran like a four seven when he was healthy. And he was playing banged up, which is just not a good situation at all. Um, so Demarius Randall's career has kind of been up and down a little bit. I would say, you know, great run defender, uh, up and down in coverage a little bit, but he's got ball skills, um, probably best at the slot uh, if we're just talking about cornerback play. But if he's going to play high, I mean, if you he, he's a free safety. He's moved to free safety now where he's played 
before, and you know he he has a nose for the ball. I mean that's fine. He's a guy with ball skills and can run defense. Up there, he he should be you know kind of out of harm's way. Yeah, well, I think what they're trying to do is I think they're trying to get a bunch of guys with similar skill set. Um, you know, Jabril Peppers, you know, another guy who can go north. Uh, you know, Carey, who they signed from Oakland, he, he's good in the run game. He has no problem. He'll get his nose dirty. Uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm drawing a blank here. But uh, I'm sorry, Brian Body Calhoun, who was fantastic last year in the slot. There's some murmuring of whether or not you know they're going to kick him outside just because you know you know they're playing a cover one, they're playing a cover three. You don't need the elite man guy. You just want a bunch of guys who can do similar things so you can, at least when you know the quarterback comes to the line, he, he doesn't have a tip right away. There's no tell exactly what you're going to do with your secondary alignment, which I think you know is probably something big that they're looking at you know, doing as far as that respect is going on. Uh, we're going to go on over now, and this is one of the reasons I brought Justice in. Uh, one of my favorite guys, uh, Dustin Forge players, and this is actually where it came in last night with Evan Silva. Uh, I guess we'll start right at the top here. Bradley Chubb. Uh, I, 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 I like these guys. I think you, you have you know, two guys who are going to be dominant pass rushers. I think some of these other guys could have a higher ceiling if things break for them correctly. So it's an interesting pass rusher group in that class. But Bradley Chubb, uh, I think he everything you're looking at you know, portrays him as a solid 4-3 defensive end. Um, and this is the point that we came up with last night where you know Evan brought it up. Is athleticism a tad bit of a concern when you get a three cone that is you know closer to seven four than it is to you know, under seven two? Yeah, I mean a guy, a guy like force players typically you probably want to look at at most probably like a seven one three cone. Um, but when you look at Bradley Chubb and you look at the guys that he compares to athletically, it would be guys like Olivier Vernon. Um, it would be guys like Jabal Shearer. Uh, those, those guys aren't, you know, those guys aren't bad football players. I think you probably caps out around there. And I think if you had like a redraft of those seasons, you know, even though those guys went on day two of the draft, if you had a redraft of those drafts, they would go in the first round. I think Bradley Chubb is a pretty safe pick, honestly. Like people have been talking about, like they kind of scratch their heads at like three, four, four, three. Like where is he going to fit if he has to play outside linebacker or will he play like five tech? Don't overthink it. Like Bradley Chubb is like a super safe guy. Um, in terms of like what he does, so like just check the boxes. He may be a slow turner around the corner, but he is a turner around the corner. I don't think he's different as a C gap pass rusher than Derek Barnett. And Derek Barnett was picked like 14. Bradley Chubb, on top of that, has stronger hands than than uh, Derek Barnett does, and I think he can cross uh, offensive tackle spaces a lot better because I think he sets up that count, that inside counter move a lot better, which is not which was my biggest concern with Barnett last year. So he's kind of like Barnett plus plus. And he has two years of production behind him, too. Like, almost three if you want to count that sophomore year. So, I, I don't know. It, it would, I would be very surprised if Chubb busted. But at the same time, if you told me that, you know, he peaked around, uh, you know, nine or eight sacks a year in his peak, I also wouldn't be surprised. But I, I think that's a fine pick. You know, if, if you look at, you know, what the average pass rusher is doing who's picked in the top ten, getting a guy who peaks around eight, nine sacks a year, you know, over – four or five-year prime, that's actually a pretty good rate. Um, people just kind of don't... People think of draft picks as, like, their, their future Hall of Famers already instead of, like, the probability of, like, yeah, 70% of these guys aren't going to sign on the second deal with your team. Well, not usually. I mean, you know, you're playing for a top dollar. That's just the way it goes. Um, I, I'm going to go with this. I'll go with the, the 
if you want to call him the purple elephant in the room, Arden Key. Uh, I don't know. I mean, first off, yeah. you know, it seems like he's a mess off the field. There, you know, injuries. I don't know if it's a question or not. Here's a guy you could look at in October, anyways. Two forty. You could catch up with him around New Year's Eve, and he's closer to two eighty. Uh, you don't know exactly how much he loves the game or he's into the game. This is a really, really difficult guy. Yeah, this is the guy where, like, those those scouts who are, like, the boots on the ground, that's when, like, <laughs> that's when their work is, you know, going to be a real premium. Cause I don't think people really understand that, like, a lot of what the scouts do in terms of, like, the value they bring to the team isn't, like, hey, I think this guy is a third-round grade because the general manager or director of college scouting didn't override him anyway, right? Um, what really does matter is their opinion of those players as people, really. Like, they're the guys who are the boots on the ground talking to people in the, or- in the uh, programs, trying to figure out what makes these guys tick. That's going to be huge for Arden Key. Because like you said, there's off-field issues. He basically left the program for the entire season in December last year. Um, they said he ballooned up to 280 pounds at the combine. He was in the 230s. The last guy who was sitting in the top 100 in the 230s was Randy Gregory. And you might have to go back to, like, 2007 to even find another guy. So, like, Randy Gregory is, like, the one data point that we have of guys who are weighed in the 230s and were picked in the top 100 as pass rushers over the last decade. Um, so all that stuff scares me. Arden Key also didn't have as good of a season this year as he did last year. Um, some of that has to do with scheme. Uh, he was dropping coverage a lot. But... I don't know, man. There's just so much volatility there for a player who was hyped up as a potential top 10 pick. That I almost feel like if you're drafting him, you're probably going to have to pay that tax off of, you know, summer mock drafts, right? Like, yeah. he, he was mock high in the summer, so therefore he's going to go higher than he should in the next spring, which doesn't really make any sense at all. And I think that's the situation that it's going to be. I think Arden Key is probably a guy you take in second, third round. But right now, you may end up sneaking in the back of the first round. I don't, I don't know about that. I don't feel good about that one. Yeah, he's not, he's not a guy I would touch in the first round just because you don't really know where his heart and his head is at. And the other thing is he, he's a, he's a well, maybe he could be this guy. And then the other thing that totally mystified me is, well, if you thought he was, you know, you know below 240, well, then by all means, he's going to run because he should blaze a good number. Nah, I'm not running. I'm good. So it's it's like, well, did, did, what, dude? When are you going to step up for yourself here, man? When are you going to, you know, somewhere along the line, we're going to need something from you here, dude. If I'm going to invest a couple million dollars in you, but he's just a guy, right? And now I'll go. We'll almost go to the, you know, if, you know, if this is key here, this is the yang to this one. Uh, Josh Sweat, who now all of a sudden is, I mean, I don't know if anybody's probably done more for themselves. You know, I mean, because we're talking now, Josh Sweat, I mean, you're talking maybe 40 pick rise, 45. I mean, it could almost be two rounds. He's a guy who could have been had maybe somewhere in the mid-70s. And now we're talking a guy, uh, you know, I know I saw Chad Ruder put out out a mock where he went to Carolina, I think at 24. You know, put absolutely phenomenal phenomenal numbers. And, you know, here's a guy where the pass rushing is a little bit of a question mark because you haven't seen it all come together. Solid in the run and just an absolute freak of an athlete. Yeah, I actually feel pretty good about that because you know Bleacher Report I've been running stuff for them uh, this off season and they had me basically predict who are going to be some combine risers. And I told them I was like, man, I've been watching. I, I went back and did like a deep dive into Josh Sweat uh, probably a couple weeks ago, probably a couple weeks before I wrote that. And I was like, you know what? Like if you squint your eyes and, like, ignore the scheme that he's playing in right now, 
he actually plays a lot, at least stylistically, like Stavian Clowney. So I wrote yep. that he was like 85% Stavian Clowney. And it turns out he runs exactly like Stavian Clowney. He's a little lighter. Uh, he's probably like 15 pounds lighter than Stavian Clowney was coming out. Um, but, I mean, those n- those numbers are hard to uh, argue with. I saw someone said that he had a seven-second three-tone, which if you do that, I mean, you can pretty much plug in the uh, Danelle Hunter comparison. Because yep. that's about as close as you can get is a guy who wasn't really told to... Because this is one big thing about the lines is you have to realize when they're going off an offensive... Like, when they're looking at an offensive lineman and they're waiting for that guy to move, and then when they're looking at the ball and they're trying to get off the ball as fast as possible. Because those are very different things, and it's the difference between being a one-gap shooter and being a two-gap guy. Because if you're a two-gap guy, it doesn't matter when the ball moves, when you're supposed to move off of that offensive lineman anyway. It was kind of the same issue that uh, Danelle Hunter had when he was in that Pelini offense, or that Pelini defense, and people were kind of scratching their heads. And they were like, we really don't understand why he's so slow off the ball if he's this athletic. I think a lot of people are saying the same thing about Josh Sweat, where they're like, he's not really getting off the ball really quickly, but if you look at where his eye level is, there's no reason that he would be off the ball quickly if he's not actually reading the ball and reading the offensive tackle, which is what FSU's scheme asked him for. So, you you know, to some extent, you are throwing a dart, right? Like, there is some chance of, of luck in selecting him. But I think in the second round, he's probably going to be a second-round pick. If he, rise up, if he rises up to the first round, he made himself probably $5 million at the combine, which is good work if you can get it. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing I loved about that was is they put him, you know, to Carolina. And if you thought, well, man, if he could get with, you know, if, if he could get with, uh, you know, Peppers for a year, pick his brain. I mean, because the pass rushing, I mean, there's still some work that needs to be done. And I don't know if he'll ever be your number one pass rusher. But, you know, as far as a second guy, cleanup guy, and just, you know, good burst, he was fantastic in that role. So, you know, that's something I'm looking at. And, you know, look, for me, for to watch a seminal rise, I'm all for it. You know, at the end of the day, if he's there at 33 for Cleveland, hey, that makes things even better for me for what I'm doing here with this show. So, you know, Josh Sweat, I mean, look, you know, you tell me if it's Key or Josh Sweat, I'm taking Josh Sweat all day long because here's a guy who obviously you see has put in the damn work, whereas, you know, Arden Key is, you know, I'll, I'll be there when I'm ready to be there type of thing. Um, now, here's the next one. Uh, I know you were down in Mobile. Uh, Marcus Davenport out of UTSA. Uh, there were times where he yeah. looked, you know, like Lawrence Taylor against that competition. He should. There were times where he looked like, you know, he was kind of just there and he was a football player. Uh, you know, the question is whether or not he's a stand-up guy. Is he a true, you know, hand in the dirt type of D end? I know you got to see him live for a few days. So go ahead, Justice. Yeah. So he was a guy who actually um, the PFF guys sent me a DM on Twitter like in the summer and we're like have you seen this Marcus Davenport guy because we're about to give him like a second round grade in like our, our draft guide and this was like July and I, I I always go through and watch every guy who returns to school who has at least five sacks and I was like you know he was one of the more interesting like group of five guys but I don't really see like second round grades and then like really nothing happens until the end of the year it's like around senior bowl time he gets an invite and then all of a sudden he's a top ten pick and I was like whoa hold up we, we gotta go back to the film and check this thing out Fun of going and seeing him, and he's fine. He just doesn't know how to play with any sort of leverage. Like he's very twitchy. He's very he's a very high motor guy, um, but he doesn't really know how to sink his hips, sink his hips, uh, ankles, uh, knees, any of that stuff. Play with his hands above his eyes. Like he's a lanky dude, but it kind of goes against him in some sort of way. Um, it's not like a Leonard Floyd type of situation where he always has where he has that refined inside counter that he can go to, and he didn't test out great. So I I don't know. I don't really know what to do with him. You're right about him 
kind of being up and down at the Senior Bowl. Uh, it wasn't really until the last day of practices that he really kind of showed out. The first couple of days, uh, he was not good. I actually know an agent who was recruiting him to his agency, and he didn't end up signing him. But I guess he went up to him after practice and was like, hey, you dumbass, like, you're way overthinking this. Like, you're going way slow. Everyone is seeing the gears grind in your head, and then it kind of, you know, kicked him into another gear. Um, I, I would be – I don't know. What, where are we at with him? Because I haven't seen – any mock drafts in the past couple of weeks. So is he still a top 20 guy or is he hanging out in the next 20? Because I think I would grade him out in the next 20. That like 21 through like 40, I could totally see him going in that range. You know, kind of where Emmanuel Agba you know, got selected. But I really don't see him as a top five pick, top 10 pick like he was being mocked for a while. Or to the point where I remember I was at the Senior Bowl and it was basically like, yeah, Tampa's his floor. And now that looks crazy. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think, uh, you know, I'd say right now if the odds were between me and him for the top ten, the two of us might as well just go find something else to do and we'll come back Friday night and see how the chips may fall. <laughs> it's just not its not working out for him right, right there. And it's not to say he won't achieve it, but, uh, you know, it, you know, there's so much coaching and, it, you know, a lot of it comes down on him and, you know, and the old phrase of you don't know what you don't know, you know, are you going to apply yourself right. to learn what you don't know? And, you know, that's what you find out. And that's what's tough with the small school kids is because, you know, when you've played well your entire life, you know, but now look, man, you know, now you're the small fish in the big pond, and, you know, you're either going to listen, you're going to put in the extra time, or, you know, and it's just so hard to figure out who that type of guy is, who's going to do it, and who doesn't, and, you know, look, that's the type of, look, if you're going to take him top 15, it's a pick that could make or break your job. You take him after in the 20s, uh, well, he's a situational pass rusher, you know, five, six, seven sacks a year. You're safe, but you know you take them high and you get a return investment of five sacks a year. You know could be a little bit troublesome. You guys, you've been listening to Lockdown Browns episode 182 with Justice Muscata. Like I said from Bleacher Report, football guys, uh, him and Charles McDonald setting the edge. The podcast, the site, the guys do a fantastic job over there breaking things down for you. Like I said, younger guys, different perspective, work really, really hard. Enjoy what they're doing. Check out everything everywhere they're at. Uh, if you guys, uh, if you listen through the Megaphone app, I do appreciate it. Uh, but, you know, iTunes, you know, Spotify, go ahead, subscribe now. If, you know, whatever one's your pleasure, leave that five-star review. Could not be more thankful. Uh, Justice, as we get a little bit deeper here, uh, now this is where, kind of where I said, this is kind of where the rubber meets the road type of thing. So it's kind of like a choice here. You know, what's kind of left? You know, Okoronku, you know, I don't like what they did to him at the Senior Bowl where they were, you know, oh, will you come here be a linebacker? I think he's a situational rush type of guy. Then there's guys like Duke Edge of Four where we're not going to get any numbers on him. We didn't get any Senior Bowl on him. But I think he's going to bring you, you know, a nice presence on day three. Holland out of Auburn. Lorenzo Carter, who I think is a wild card athlete. I think he's a great athlete. And maybe you could have something one day, but it's, you know, the athleticism hasn't translated to a dominant guy in him. So, uh, and then, of course, you know, so, you know, for the Browns guys, Sam Hubbard out of Ohio State. Yeah, so I was just trying to think of those guys off the top of my head. Gio Ford, I'm a huge fan of him. Um, I, I'm really bummed out that he got hurt because I thought he could have been, like, my second-round guy if he was able to go through testing. Um, who else was it? Okoronkwo, I agree yeah. with you. I don't think he's going to be able to stick it out as a three-down pass rusher. I think he's going to have to be a situational guy. Um, all guys who are kind of that size kind of have to be. Uh, one guy who he kind of reminded me of is Chris McCain, who, like, no one actually knows about, but he ended up having a bunch of tackles uh, at the line of scrimmage and in the backfield as San Diego, as uh, Los Angeles Chargers, not the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. 
uh, third pass rusher this year. Uh, just guys like that. I don't know. Um, Hubbard, like guys like that. I mean, they're they're athletic guys who just kind of haven't put it together yet. I think those guys are borderline second round picks. Um, but outside of that, I don't know if you take them that high. The guys that I'm kind of interested in, my guys, are kind of like um, Hercules Mataafa, who is basically like a 250 pound defensive tackle for Washington State, led uh, the NCAA in uh, tackles for a loss. Um, he's a guy who kind of reminds like. In, in the way that he was used, he's kind of similar to Solomon Thomas. The problem is he's like 25 pounds lighter and less athletic than him on paper, which is kind of surprising because I thought if you watch his film, you would have thought he was an elite athlete. Um, another guy, Nathan Shepard, Jorge State, he was a guy who uh, he kind of he bounced around like everywhere, um, played small school football, kind of showed out in uh, the senior bowl practices before he ended up getting hurt. He broke his hand and then did really well at the combine. Uh, search through other guys. Who mentioned Jeff Holland? Um, he's kind of a guy. He's kind of like a way lesser version of like if, if Chubb is the plus version of Derek Barnett, he's the he's the lesser version of Derek Barnett. Where okay. he can turn around the corner, but he's got a step even slower than Barnett does. Um, but he's just so consistent that it's hard to think that he would bust out as you know anything worse than a number two edge rusher or a number three edge rusher. Um, Contavious Street from North Carolina State. He's basically, like, he's 285 pounds, which is, like, that weird range of, like, is he a defensive tackle or is he a defensive end? He's kind of similar to Kerry Hyder for the Detroit Lions. He just missed the whole past year. Um, but Tavius uh, Street, if you want to watch him in games like the uh, Furman game, where Furman is a triple option team, kind of like uh, Georgia Tech, but he's, they, they, would basically, they would make him the read man, right, uh, on those option plays, and he would chase down wide receivers. And these wide receivers are playing for Furman, but still, those are wide receivers, and he's a dude who was playing in the 280. So, he's a guy who's pretty exciting to me. If we want to go like a real, real degenerate right now, um, <laughs> my favorite two guys who didn't even make the combine uh, on the inside, Puna Ford of Texas. He's 5'11 defensive tackle. Um, he's really good. I think he probably should be a day two pick, but it kind of scares me that he wasn't on, you know, the NFL's radar for the combine at all. And then uh, Matt Boson from TCU who is a Boise State transfer who got in trouble a couple of times, but he's actually like a really good player. And I was kind of surprised that he really didn't make any news going to either the Shrine game or the Senior Bowl. Um, if you just watched his film, you would have said he's a borderline top 100 pick. So I'm, I'm kind of really interested in seeing how the NFL treats Ford and Boson. Okay, well, it's interesting, you know, because you bring up him with a kid with a troubled history. Now, this is something Cleveland wouldn't have touched in the last few years. Now, John Dorsey kind of allows himself a mulligan per draft. So there's guys that you look at, you know, whether it's a Holton Hill from Texas, the cornerback, or this guy, you know, you're bringing up from TCU. You know, he doesn't mind, you know, throwing one out there and saying, well, if it doesn't work out, look, I, I tried to chase talent and help a kid out. So it's interesting with those guys. Now, Justice, uh, they moved on from Danny Shelton, and a lot of Browns fans were upset about it. And I think most of it came from, you know, they were upset with the guy who was doing his job and getting his job done. But I think with the D line, they want they want more action. They want more aggressiveness. Um, basically, what they want is they want another Larry Ogunjobi. They want a guy who can do a little bit of everything and still play on the interior. You got anybody who can maybe do that type of thing? Yeah, this class isn't great on interior defensive line talent. Next year's class with all those guys, Sean Gary, uh, Nick Bosa, all those kids. Um, that's really Oliver. when when they're going to stand out. Yeah, Oliver. Um, there's another kid, Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. All those guys, like, they could be, those are potential top five picks, just, you know, in interior defensive linemen. Uh, this class isn't really deep in it, but uh, like I said, Shepard, 
Before he State, if he recovers from that broken hand, I don't know what people think of that, but he was able to run at the combine at least. Um, interior defensive tackles, really, it's just like him and then that Puna Ford guy from Texas that I, that I mentioned. Those are really the guys who interest me, you know, kind of in that day two range. Because there are three technique guys who are going to go in the first round, like Taven Bryant, the kid from uh, Florida. But he's a he's a major pro he's a major project, and I don't think he's going to last to the range that Larry Ogunjobi is. So if I'm looking for a Larry Ogunjobi type, I circle Nathan Shepard and Puna Ford like 15 different times. Nice, great stuff, guys. You have listened to Locked On Browns episode 182 with Justin uh, Justin McKay. Guys, go ahead and follow him at J U M O S Q. You know Bleacher Report. Like I said, football guys. Uh, you know, writer and host of the Setting the Edge podcast. Justice, what do you got in the works here? Uh, about five weeks left before you can finally sleep, bro. What do you got in the works? Yeah, so I think we're just going to go back to weekly podcast on Setting the Edge. And then technically, I only I don't have anything to write for like the next like two weeks. So it's just going to be full on tape grind. So just follow me on Twitter as I work through the rest of this class. I've seen basically all the defensive linemen, all the offensive linemen. Hit me up if you guys have questions. I've seen the quarterbacks. Um, but all the other stuff i got to catch up in, like, the next month. That's the backs, linebackers, receivers, uh, running backs, tight ends. Yeah, I, I still got some work to do, man. Only a month? You're really putting the pressure on me, man. It's like 37 days, bro. Yeah, so it, it, it is that close. But, guys, thanks so much. Uh, follow me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, follow the show at Locked on Browns. As always, guys, I keep the show a follow-back account. You know, I want your guys' feedback. I want you guys to suggest who you want to listen to. You guys have been able to provide us with some of the greatest guests you know, that the show's had. Obviously, Mark Sester from NFL Network. That was a show done by you guys, the listeners. I appreciate it. Uh, guys, until tomorrow night, as long as I got electricity, as long as I got internet with 10 inches of snow on the way, you guys will get another show from me tomorrow night. Guys, appreciate you all. Let's go Browns.